we had just finished our series, uh, nine sermons on Revelation 2 and 3, dealing with the, the churches at Revelation. And I don't know about you, but I, I did learn a lot uh, from that those two chapters of Revelation. Actually, we did we did we did chapters one, two, and three. But um, I'm going to do a couple messages here. Then in October, we're gonna we're gonna go through the book of Colossians, and then we're gonna do a series of messages on um, giving in November, and then Christmas. What? Someone got up. Someone got up a little while ago and announced that there's 98 days left until Christmas. It's like, you know, I told him to go sit down, you know. <laughs> no, I have, there's a, one young man that I know that he's on the, he's on Facebook all the time and he's saying there's 100 days left till Christmas. There's a 99 days left, you know, he doesn't give up, man. It's like, I said, Bobby, you always bring a smile to my face. <laughs> but anyway, so, but we do want to keep our, uh, several other people in our prayers out. I, I didn't mention this when I meant to say something to Chet, but, um, I know the Garden Howers, um, they were exposed to COVID and they weren't, you know, she hasn't feeling really well. So we need to, we definitely need to keep them in our prayers, you know, and, and, um, always want to keep our brother Jerry in prayer, you know, and, 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 you know, prayer, I believe prayer changes things. I don't know about you, but I do believe that prayer changes things. And so, you know, we want to continue to remember uh, our, our church folks. Uh, Dave and uh, Sherry Stevens aren't here today. Uh, Dave had a, another reaction to the antibiotic that they're giving him for uh, his situation. And so, you know, this is like the third or fourth week for them that they've just had things going on. So, you know, I think Satan's kind of working on us. He's, he's trying to do anything that he can to discourage us. And we need to just really not allow him to do that. And so I don't know if you've heard these statements before or not. You can't do that. That's, that's impossible. And you know, Kay, I didn't see you back there. It is good to have you back there. It looked like you had a, a, a wonderful time out in California there. Glad that you didn't stay there though. We're glad that you came back this way. How about this, this statement? There is no way on earth. Or how about this? It's never been done before. Those are, those are all statements. You know, the, the impossible is oftentimes cloaked in the words of those previous statements. Well, you can't do that. That's impossible. There's no way on earth. It's never been done before. You know, but today, I want us to think about the impossible, but I kind of want us to think of it as this. What is impossible for man is always possible with God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, and this is the King James Version. I, I had it in the NIV. I changed it to the King James because this is what it says. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Boy, what, what truth that is. You know, and if you've got your Bibles and you want to hold over into Matthew chapter 14, we're going to talk about that today. In Matthew 14, we find Jesus giving a great demonstration of his divine power over the impossibilities of man and over the impossibilities of life itself. See, in, in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, Jesus shows the power of God when he feeds 5,000 men. 
including women and children, there would have been like 15 or 20,000 people there on the mountain as, as they're listening to Jesus. And he does this in miraculous fashion, you know, but you hear the words of impossibility spill out of the disciples' mouths when they say what? Well, Lord, we only have five loaves and two fishes. That's all we have. So how in the world are we going to feed like 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes? And then we see over in um, the very end of that chapter, chapter 14, verses 34 through 36, Jesus gives healing to those who needed it. All they had to do was touch the hem of his garment and they were healed, showing that nothing is impossible with God. How many of you seen the movie Castaway? The Castaway. Did you see the movie? It was pretty good, but you know, when he was on that island, it was kind of boring there because all he had to do was talk to a, a, a um, volleyball. What was the volley, volleyball's name? Wilson. Wilson, yes. <laughs> well, in the, in the movie The Castaway, Tom Hanks plays this FedEx guy whose plane goes down during a severe storm. And they simulate that storm, and it's absolutely an unbelievable fierce storm, and it brings that plane down. Well, if you look in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, we find the disciples battling the elements of the wind and the waves as the storm comes upon them. When, when all absolutely looked hopeless for them, absolutely looked hopeless, what happens? Jesus comes walking upon the water to them, showing his power over the elements and even over nature itself. You always hear nature as, as, as um, defined as mother nature. Well, I like to think of it as Father God. He's the one that is over all of nature. And Jesus, he comes walking upon the water, showing his power over the elements and over nature itself. And it is here that Peter asked to do the impossible, and that is to walk on water. And so Jamie Buckingham said this. He is quoted as saying this. He says, attempt something so big, I mean just absolutely so big, so impossible, that if God doesn't show up, it's sure to fail. Something so big that if God doesn't show up, it's sure to fail. So I want to get kind of personal with you today. Do you mind if I get personal with you? You do? (laughs) Well, I'm going to get personal with you anyway. What is the impossibility in your life that keeps you held in check, not allowing you to be all that you can for God? What is it? See, for each one of us, it might be something different. But it always seems like there's something there that holds us in check that keeps us from really being all that we can be for God. What is it that, I guess, keeps telling you, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's impossible. What is it? Think about it. I want to specifically look at Matthew 14, 22 through 33, and think about when attempting to do the impossible, I want to share with you four things that you shouldn't do. 
Four things that you shouldn't do, but I want to read this for you right now. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22, and it's on the screen here for you. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. Notice what it says. He's walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, just stop here for a second. How many of you have ever seen anybody walk on water? Okay, I didn't think so. So it's in the evening, and maybe you see the glistening of the moon coming down onto the lake, and you see someone, hey, is there, is there someone actually coming towards us? It looks like they're walking on the water. How many of you would be afraid a little bit anyway? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and the rest of you are lying. <laughs> we would be afraid. And so so Jesus comes walking to them, and, and they thought it was a ghost, and they, they cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, so he must have been fairly close to them since the waves are crashing around them. The wind. He must have been fairly close to them for him, them to hear him say, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Here's one of those statements again that Jesus makes. Don't be afraid. And then, of course, we, we think of Peter. I think Peter was the, 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 the apostle or the disciple that had ADHD. I think he was kind of hyper. But notice what Peter does. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And one of the greatest words, Jesus says, come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Wow. The first don't I'm going to share with you this morning is this. Don't listen to your critics. Just don't listen to them. They're what we call detractors. Don't listen to them. You know, one person was talking about his friend. He said this one time. He said, I have a friend who cannot ride a bike. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but are there anyone here that could, cannot ride a bike? Well, this friend, he cannot ride a bike. Now, that alone does not seem like a big deal because there's a lot of people that don't know how to ride bikes. But the reason he said my friend cannot ride a bike is because his father kept telling him as a child that he would never learn how to ride a bike. And guess what? He didn't. He didn't learn how to ride a bike. So when attempting the impossible... You just can't listen to those that are critics, those detractors that try to pull you down. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, though, that many of those critics, those detractors, are people from your own family. 
And it can, it can get really frustrating. A critic, someone that detracts you, is one who wants to draw you away and take you away from whatever it is that you're attempting to do. See, they always make it sound impossible so that they might divert your attention to something less significant or maybe something of no significant value at all. These people in the church, we call them the cold water committee. (laughs) They are the cold water committee. Their, Their words are always fueled with the impossibility of the task at hand. You know, they, they have all sorts of reasons of why you or the church can't do these things. They're the cold water committee. They throw cold water on everything. And, and if we were honest, I would have to say that many of us, you know, maybe not all of us, but many of us have probably served on that committee from a time or two or another. I know I have. I hate to admit that because I don't want to keep the impossibility from happening if God is the one that's leading that. I don't want to throw that cold water. Peter asked the impossibility in man's eyes. He asked the impossibility. He said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. And and though it is not expressively stated you can almost hear the cold water committee voicing their cited opinions in that boat. You know, can you hear them say, Peter, you can't do that. Peter, you're going to drown if you step out of the boat. Look at the waves around us. There's no way. You're going to drown. Peter, stop being a show-off. Don't be a show-off. Peter, we've never done this before. Peter... It really makes more sense for you to stay in the boat. That's what it, it makes more sense. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, he had to deal with the voice of his critics, those detractors that just wanted him to fail. They wanted him to stop what he was doing for God and to come and talk it over with them. And this is what he replied. He said in, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, he says, So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I am doing a great work, a great project, and I cannot go down there. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down and and talk to you? Why should I do that? See, Nehemiah, if you read later on down in that passage there, Nehemiah knew their motives. They wanted him to come down there so they could kill him. That's what they wanted to do. And so Nehemiah wasn't going to have anything to do with that at all. He stayed there and he did the job that God wanted him to do. When you are attempting the impossible with God, there will always be the voices of the detractors, those critics that you have to contend with. Detractors will always think that they know what they're talking about, but in reality, they know nothing about faith. They know nothing about faith. They always give man's reasoning as to why you shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't (laughs) be doing something for God. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Should I say it again? Don't listen to them. 
Listen to the voice of God that assures you of what you are doing for him. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus said that to them. Jesus is telling each of us that all things are possible with God, so don't listen to your critics. Don't listen to those who are going to distract you from what your the task at hand is. Then the second don't that I want to share with you this morning is this. Don't remain in your own strength. Don't linger in your own strength. Notice what it says there. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat. How many of you are not very good swimmers? Okay, we have a few of you in here. How many of you are really good swimmers? Okay, some of you are. You really good swimmers, would you have gotten out of the boat? Would you have gotten out of the boat? Yes? No? There's no way in the world I would have ever gotten out of that boat. And that gives you some idea of my faith. I would like to think that I would, especially if it's Jesus there. But man, wow. He said, then Peter got down, he got out of the boat. You know, Peter Peter had asked to do the impossible for man, and that is to walk on water. You know, there there is only one man that I know who could do that. Peter's request was not an act of doubt. It wasn't an act of doubt. Lord, if, if, it, if it's you, rather his request was an act of love and acceptance of who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. His, his request was built upon what I would say is a confident faith in Jesus. He had a confident faith in Jesus. Peter acted out of conviction, not opportunity to promote himself. I don't believe he was trying to promote himself. I think he genuinely knew it was Jesus and he wanted to go to where Jesus was. He wasn't asking to do something spectacular. Rather, he was just asking if he could come to Jesus. That's what he wanted to do. Faith is the way we come to Jesus. It is, it is exactly the way we come to Jesus. Remember the story of the paralytic and his four friends. Remember what happened when they lowered him down through the roof and Jesus saw the faith of these friends? And I want you to take note who else was there. You know who was there? Well, let's read Mark 2, 6 and 7. It says this. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fella talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can, who can forgive sins but God alone? The cold water committee was there once again, throwing cold water on everything. These friends acted not on their own strength, but they acted on the faith of Jesus. That's what they were doing. You know, Peter was asking to walk upon the water, and if he did that, it was not going to be in his own strength that he was going to be able to do that. It would be in his, his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul told us. He, he told, in, told us in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 13, he said, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. He gives me the strength, who strengthens me. 
That's what, that's what Paul tells us. See, faith is strengthened when it is taken to the extremes that it has never faced. It's kind of like a rubber band. A rubber band is intended to be stretched. When living by faith, God shows you the unlimited possibilities of what faith living can do in you and for you. In you and for you. See, man's strength will always fail, but God's strength will always lift you to where you have never been lifted before. Psalm 84.5 says this, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So what I say to you this morning is this, don't listen to your critics or your detractors and don't remain in your own strength. Don't, don't linger in your own strength. Trust in the Lord. And then the third dolt that he brings out in this passage is this, don't lounge in the boat. Matthew 14, 29 says this, then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. This was not the love boat. This was not the love boat. This was the boat that he was in to come to Jesus. It was not the love boat. And so can you imagine what the others in the boat were thinking and saying as Jesus climbed or as Peter climbed out of the boat? You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of them were trying to hold him back. Maybe some of them grabbed a hold of him and said, hey, you need to come to your senses, buddy. You know, I don't, I don't know. And yet it, he shook them off and he got out of the boat. So the question I have is this. What was the difference between the faith of Peter and those other disciples that were still in the boat? What was the difference between their faiths? Yeah, yeah. Peter's faith allowed him to get out of the boat. My question to you is this. Will yours, will your faith allow you to get out of the boat? You know, Peter asked and Jesus said, come. You know, one of the greatest words in the New Testament is the word come. I love that word when Jesus uses it. He says in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And then he says over in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He tells us, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, heavy laden, it says. Jesus will never invite or command you or me to do anything that is against the will of God. He won't do that. Peter had asked in faith, and now he was acting out his faith. He, he asked in faith, and now he is acting out his faith. He had the, the right motive to get out of the boat. You know, it, it's interesting, but, but I, I think most people believe more than they're willing to do. I think that, I think that might be true. You know, James says this kind of faith is dead. In James chapter two, 
uh, verse 17, he says, in the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action. It's dead. It's dead. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, if it's not accompanied by works, it is just absolutely dead. You know, I, I think many churches are full of boat people just floating around. I wonder why. Maybe it's because they think that there is more safety in the boat. I don't know. I know I probably would think that. Boat loungers are those who do little and who always want things to be comfortable. I guess I could say that about myself sometimes. And I must admit that there are sometimes in my own life, in my own faith, that I think that I like lounging in the boat. Those are the times when I find my relationship with the Lord at its weakest. How about you? But I want you to look at Peter because, you know, I, I think maybe he might have been a little bit ADHD, but you know what? He got out of the boat. When I think of Peter, I think of my son, Ethan. My son, Ethan, would have done that. But then, of course, my son, Ethan, is a really good swimmer. <laughs> he, you know, he, he was doing the Navy SEAL training, so he, he's a pretty good swimmer. But I think Ethan would have got out of the boat. You know, perhaps what Peter was thinking was this. I would rather be in the stormy sea walking with Jesus than in this boat without him. You know, I believe that true safety isn't being in the boat. It's, it's being with Jesus. That's where true safety is. So, so we need to pay attention to something very interesting here. You know, it is that the voice of Jesus was heard above the storm. You know, John chapter 10, verse 27 says this. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's kind of interesting because you know when there's a storm like that, it's going to be loud. But the people in the boat there, they, the, the disciples, they heard Jesus' voice above the noise. So if Jesus says, come, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. I'm surprised that, that maybe all 12 of them, if there were 12, wouldn't have got out of the boat and come to Jesus. He'd have had to reach down and pull 12 of them out of the water. <laughs> You know, if you, if you never get out of the boat, you're never going to walk on water. That's for sure. So doing the impossible with God will never be a reality until you get out of the boat and you walk towards Jesus. Peter did just that. He got out of the boat and he was actually walking towards Jesus. Peter learned a very valuable lesson that night though, that when you get out of the boat and you walk towards Jesus, you do that in faith or you're going to sink and you may sink pretty fast. You know, so my question is this, where are you? Where are you? Are you still in the boat? Are you climbing out of the boat or are you already walking on the water with Jesus? See, only you can answer that in your faith and in your, your walk with the Lord. Only you can answer that. So 
Don't listen to your critics or your detractors. Don't remain in your own strength. Don't linger in your own strength. And don't lounge in that boat because it is not the love boat. But the last one I want to share with you this morning is this. The fourth don't is don't look at your situation. Don't look at your circumstances. Notice what it says there. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What is impossible for man is always possible for God. So when attempting to do the impossible with God, not only do you have to not listen to the voice of those critics, not remain in your own strength, not lounge in that boat in the safety of where you think it's safe, you know, instead of being with Jesus... You have to make sure that you don't look at your situation, those circumstances around you. You know, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 said this, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, what does that look like? What does fixing your eyes on Jesus look like? How many of you have dogs? Anybody here have a dog? Okay. We have a dog and his name is Elliot. And I, there is, there's so much cuteness wrapped up in a, a seven to eight pound little bundle there that I, I'm, t- I don't know. God just blessed us with this little guy. But let me tell you something. When I have food in my hand, those two little brown beady eyes, they will not take their eyes off of me. Every, every which way I move, those eyes are on me. I mean, they are absolutely on me until that food is gone. That's what we're talking about here, folks. Fixing your eyes. Fix your eyes. I mean, they're like little laser things going right through me. I mean, he wants, you know, he's, he's, I've got his attention. And he would sit there all day long, if need be. All day long. And so, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we, I mean, there's nothing else around us that's going to distract us. We're going to be looking at him like laser eyes. Absolutely. And so, God, through his word, reminds us this one thing. We walk by faith, not by sight don't we? So if you walk by sight, you will see that it's never a good time to do the impossible. There will always be some reason why you shouldn't, couldn't, or wouldn't. In other words, don't look at your circumstances. Circumstances can adversely affect our walking with Jesus. Peter was doing fine on the walking on the water, This guy was walking on water. Jesus isn't the only one that we know of that was walking on water. Peter was walking on the water. Look at the picture there. He was actually walking on the water. Until he started to look around him. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And he saw how the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing in around him in the sea. And then he became fearful. The fear of water set in. And he began to sink like a rock. Let me remind you, what was Peter's profession? 
He was a fisherman. This wasn't his first rodeo. This probably wasn't his first storm. He was probably a decent swimmer. But he was fearful. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. Peter's faith was quickly turned to sight. You cannot walk on the water by sight, by doubt. For like Peter, you will be tossed about as the wind drives the waves. Notice what it says there in James 1.6. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So when Peter began to sink, he called out to Jesus and Jesus caught him by the hand. You know, I think about that, that part of the scripture right there. Oh, the hand of Jesus. The hand of Jesus. You know, he always holds us and nothing can take us away from him. Here's what Jesus had to say about that. He said in John chapter 10, verse 28 through 30, says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He's talking about us. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. That's the promise that we have. And this is what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That's Jesus. Jesus' intercession, I believe, now I want you to hear this. Jesus' intercession, I believe, is not so much for our circumstances as it is for our faith to overcome those circumstances. I don't think he's going to remove these difficulties, these circumstances from us. He has given us the faith to be able to overcome them. Peter was asked a truth-revealing question of Jesus. He asked him, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? In other words, why is your faith so little? Where is your faith? You know, how, how can you not get out of the boat and walk to Jesus knowing that nothing, as we just read there, nothing can take you out of the hand of Jesus. Nothing will be able to snatch you from, from Jesus or from the Father. See, walking by faith is safer than walking by sight. You know, circumstances can limit our faith, but the Lord doesn't reject it, but He accepts it and He builds upon that. He builds upon that faith for us. Again, Hebrews 12, 2, as we stated earlier, the writer says, looking unto Jesus, you know, fixing your eyes on Jesus. So, so don't look at your circumstances. Always look at Jesus. Because in the very end, that's what matters. That's all that matters. So as we close this morning, you know, preaching sermons about attempting the impossible is easier than living in the realm of the possible with God. See, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to not listen to the critics around you. It just isn't. It's not, it's not easy to no longer remain in your, in your own strength and man's strength. You know, it's not easy to quit lounging in the safety of the boat. 
And it's not easy to stop looking at your situation or those prevailing circumstances all around you. It's just, those, it's just not easy to do that. But when you do it by faith, what happens is that God works the impossible in you. God works the impossible in you. With Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. And when God brings you back, you may possibly cause others to worship God and to step out of the boat. Notice what he says there in Matthew 14, 32 and 33. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Was that a coincidence? (laughs) Absolutely not. That's a God thing. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. I'm going to ask Glenn and, um, would you guys come on up here? Chet and Glenn are going to pass these out to you. I want you to each take one, okay? There you go. There you go, brother. Each, each one take one. In that little packet there, you'll see that there's a little seed in there. I want you to take this. Yeah, you got to look at it really closely. There it is. I want you to take that. I want you to put that in your Bible. You know, this is a mustard seed. And the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds that you can find. But when planted, it grows. And it becomes a strong, maybe even so much as a sturdy tree with the branches on it. I mean, it, it becomes a big a big uh, plant. And it is powerful. Attempt something so big, so impossible, that if God doesn't show up, you're sure to fail. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, he says this. He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. Nothing. Jesus says in Matthew 17, 20, that if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from there over to here, and it will be done. Nothing, absolutely nothing is going to be impossible for you. Does Jesus mean this literally? That that we, if we had a, this, this amount of faith, that we could say to a mountain, move over here, and it's going to happen? Or does he mean this figuratively, like by faith you can handle or face the mountains of suffering and difficulty and decisions and despair or doubts in our lives? Or maybe he means to have enough faith to just get out of the boat and follow him. Whether it's figuratively or or, or literally, I'm going to let you figure that one out for yourself. John Bailey shares this. He says, just west of the Dead Sea is a peak known as Masada. This mountain is famous because it was the last place to fall in the war in which Rome captured Jerusalem. He says, one morning several years ago, he says, my friend and I left the boat on the banks of the Dead Sea and we made our way towards Masada hoping to climb it. He goes on to say this. He says, we found ourselves at the steep east side of the mountain. It looked so rough and steep that we wondered whether or not we should even attempt it. But since we had come this far, 
we did not want to turn back. Finally, we succeeded in climbing to the top of the mountain. When we returned to Jerusalem, we had learned that from the Jewish historian Josephus, he had written that it was impossible to climb Masada, especially, particularly on the east side, because it, it takes away the courage of everybody by reason of fear, and it puts it into your soul. That's how bad this side of the mountain was. But we had not read Josephus before we went up the mountain and did not know that it was impossible to climb. We did it. Here's what Paul said. Paul said that he could do all things through Christ because Christ was the one that gave him the strength. He could meet and overcome all the difficulties because of the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. See, man, if you'll head on up here, come on up. See, with Christ, the impossible becomes possible. Do you know how? By faith. It's your faith. Do you have the faith to get out of the boat? 